From a secret location in room 100 of 540 Jack Gibbs Boulevard, this is Craft. I'm your host, Doug Dangler. Today, singer-songwriter Anna Nolik tells me about her recent writing and songs after a breathe 2 a.m., including her new song, Aura. And singer-songwriter John Gorka describes the song that it took him the longest to write and how a terrifying road trip can lead to a great song. That's all coming up on Craft. 2 a.m. and she calls me cause I'm still awake Can you help me unravel my latest mistake? I don't love him, winter just wasn't my season An Analyx song, Breathe, 2 a.m. was a radio staple and an MTV video hit Analyx will be in town Sunday, January 17th with the Rumba Cafe More information can be found at craftthashow.com Welcome to Craft, Analyx Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, I've enjoyed hearing what I think is one of your new songs, Aura, yes. from your upcoming album, At Now. Tell me about the uh, new album. Uh, well, it's um, it's something I've been writing over the last couple of years. Um, I went back to school uh, to study creative writing, so I, there wasn't a major focus on getting an album out right away, which gave me a, a little bit of time to think about what I wanted to say and really weed out my favorite songs and get rid of the ones I didn't want. It's a collection of what I've been up to in the last couple of years. Tell me about your, your writing process behind them. Well, it's, it's all different, really. I don't have a... Um, I don't really have a method or anything. It, it, the best songs come without me really trying to force anything. And usually it's the melody and lyrics and chord progression and, and uh, arrangement come at the same time. I write in my head a lot. Uh, I keep a notebook next to my bed because um, I think that a lot of times the best, most honest work comes in 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 the middle or right after meditation or right when I wake up or when I'm falling asleep. It's a pretty organic process, definitely not forced. You've got a variety of genres on this new album. You referred to it on your website as genre hopping. I'm not really sure what genre I've fit into. I mean, my first single made made its way to pop radio. So technically I'm a pop musician, but that's never really been my forte I guess Mm -hmm. so I feel like there's freedom for me to go wherever I want with my music particularly because there's been a few years off nobody's breathing down my neck for it so I get complete creative freedom and I love many genres and eras so I like to dabble in all of them and let it let the music come out however it wants to I don't feel limited to trying to sound like anything in particular so the production will be what ties everything together I think but putting all the work into making sure that every song is treated as an individual I think will ensure that that everything on there is you know very real very honest and I don't know somehow if I, somehow I feel like when I when I treat every uh, give every song all the attention that it needs let it be whatever it wants to be it's all coming from the same place. I don't co-write, so it's all out of my head. And that way, in the end, everything fits together, even if it does jump around quite a bit. 
I noticed that with your video for the uh, pledgemusic.com mm-hmm. site, it's shot in you know, like black and white and it's done like a um, like an early movie, right? You've got um, placards giving the words and stuff and there's no no sound from from your voice. And uh, tell me about making that video. What went into that? Was that something that you got to have a lot of input in? Well, yeah. I mean, I was the only input, actually. I, I did that entirely myself. And to be perfectly honest, that was not my original vision. It just ended up working out that it fit the a silent movie format because I'm, um, I mean, I'm a writer, so I'm comfortable writing things down before I try to make any big declarative statements. So making a video, uh, trying to be a salesman is not really very comfortable for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet that that's the necessity with a thing like a promo video, obviously promotion um, right. being the key word there. And it's for pledge music, which is inviting people to um, pre-order my album. And, and in the process that helps me fund the making of the album so that I can go as far as I need to in the studio. But making that video, I knew all I had to say was, but hi, I'm Anna, I'm making an album and there's a store with personal, you know, with like exclusive merch in it. And would you like to pre-order and help me fund this thing? But I was so uncomfortable being a salesman that I had so many options. I was going to hire a videographer and all this. And then I just ended up hooking my, putting my phone in the windowsill and videotaping myself, stuttering through like three hours of just trying to say those few sentences and just just being so uncomfortable. And I did make a video that was eight minutes long, which was way too long for, I mean, it was like the maximum length for what it should have been. And it said everything I needed to say and managed to do it in a way that didn't make me feel like I was trying to, I don't know, you know, go door to door selling Tupperware, (laughs) but you know, like, but it was just too, it was funny. It was, I mean, I thought it was funny. I used little clips of Alfred Hitchcock with his dry, witty, sarcastic sense of humor, mm-hmm. um, you know, little cutaways to him. So it was it was a funny video, but it was just way too long. So I set it up. And actually, at the time, I had just watched um, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. So I had silent films on the brain. Um, so I just figured out the software I needed to make a silent film and did a little bit of homework to figure out what the captions needed to look like. Mm-hmm. But yes, this pro- the whole process with Pledge has been very been an opportunity for me to put on every hat and figure out every single side of the business and creative um, process, which is which is uh, great for me because then I like being a student. Yeah, I got to tell you, I love hearing that a singer songwriter had in the back of your mind that cabinet of Dr. Caligari. The you know German expressivism is just underused, I think, in modern music. I love that movie. I'm, I'm a big fan of the of horror films and TV. I'm actually I'm recovering from foot surgery. I'm not really good at sitting still, but um, mm-hmm. I've had to. So in between any kind of work that I can do, I've been watching The Walking Dead. So I, and I've never I don't even own a TV, so I'm watching it mostly on my phone. But I love it. I love spooky and scary and terrifying, and especially those old the old films and um, that one in particular, I can't remember who did all the set design for that, but it, but the perspective is just so interesting. And uh, I don't know, I draw inspiration from just about everywhere, but 
Yeah. There must be some. There must be some creepy bolts up in my head. So I, I like that kind of. Stuff. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Like uh, Janelle Monae uh, redid um, uh, another movie of that era, uh, and it's interesting that it. You know, two people were were thinking about that kind of stuff at the same time, and I can't think of the name of the movie either. And it's right around from the same area. Fritz Lang's Metropolis. No- oh, oh my God! Yeah, that one's incredible. Really beautiful. Yeah, I could see how that would work in music video, too. They redid the score for that with modern music, I don't know, not too many years ago. I think that would be beautiful. I made it through Metropolis, but I don't think I made it through the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. <laughs> I think I, I dropped out somewhere, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, like 20 minutes in, All the, and which is the same uh, thing is uh, uh, true of me and uh, Walking Dead. My daughter and I made it through, I think, the first three seasons, and then it just got too gory. So, as you go along, you can judge whether you think it got more gory as it went along. I don't know. But- <laughs> well, I'm powering through the fourth season now, so they, start, they lost me for like, and maybe two episodes and then I'm, I'm back in, but I I love things that are character driven anyway. So, I mean, that's what's fascinating to me, but I usually can, I'm usually late to the party. I'm embarrassed to say that I only have just also because I'm off my feet and, um, unfortunately stuck in my house (laughs) as of late. I've just watched star Wars for the first time because I went to the theater and saw the most recent one and mm-hmm. then had to know what was actually going on. Right. So I went from zero to super fan in like a day. It's interesting that you talk about, um, you know, being a fan of TV shows and things like that, because I wanted to know your songs have been featured on a variety of TV shows uh, from things like Grey's Anatomy to One Tree Hill to Joan of Arcadia. What's it like for you to be watching a show? And I'm sure you know that your song is going to be featured, but then it starts to play. What's that experience for you um, watching how somebody else has interpreted your work? Um, well, you know, I don't, I don't usually, uh, watch, I mean, I have before, um, I've only seen a, a couple of the uses, um, I'm trying to think one, uh, oh, you know, I did watch one at the end of, uh, Grey's Anatomy. They, they used, uh, one of my songs for a season finale and, uh, it, I was told ahead of time that it was something that I couldn't miss. So I actually did sit down and watch and, and I happened to be in between tours. So I was home and, um, it was, I, I mean, <laughs> I did just cross my mind not to spoil it for anybody, but I'm sure anybody who watches that show has seen it, but somebody blows up to my song <laughs> and it's very intense and it's very, you know, like there's a bomb in the hand and the hand is in the body and I think Christina Ricci has to get it out and, or she's in the show. And anyway, it was very intense and, um, I mean, obviously, very uh, vastly different than what I initially wrote the song about. So that's very interesting um, to see somebody else's uh, interpretation. However, I try to keep my songs, um, the 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 meaning behind them, uh, especially the initial meaning that I had in mind when I wrote them uh, to myself. Now it changes over time. There are songs that I sing now that mean just as much to me as they did 10 years ago uh, off that first album. And then I was in high school. Um, But I think it's important for people to be able to interpret music however they need to. Um, And in that I've heard so many different explanations for what my songs mean to, to people's lives, um, which is actually to me pretty incredible. Music is like this, this form of speaking in tongues. I, I say something or sing something and, 
a room full of people with very different backgrounds and uh, experiences or, or uh, different ages, experience levels, they they all relate and, and maybe they've got completely different stories, but there's something that hits um, a common uh, human uh, core and and that is incredible to me. Yeah, so I would never ruin that. Mm-hmm. But I, I like hearing different interpretations, yeah. And I think it's uh, great that you can now say um, somebody blew up to one of my songs on stage referencing the TV show. That's got to be yeah, a really, well, yeah, exactly. really interesting. You know, everybody say when people want to compliment you on how, uh, like, you know, when you're getting started, they want to compliment you on how, how famous they think you're going to be. You know, they say, oh, someday you're going to blow up. Which is then like, no, someday <laughs> I'm going <laughs> everyone to blow else is. Somebody else. <laughs> no, yeah. To my, yeah, this song's going to blow you up. <laughs> no, this song's going to blow you up. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a new uh, phrase that you're bringing into the vernacular, and I thank you for that so much. Well, Anna and Alec, thank you very much for talking to me, and I hope you uh, recover well from your injury. Thank you very much. The bones are healing and everything's looking good. Thank you. I'll be in heels in no time. Oh, great. Maybe not by January 17th when you're at the Rumba Cafe in Columbus, (laughs) Ohio, but I'm sure it will be a great performance nonetheless. Thank you very much. (laughs) I'm sure. Thank you very much. Time takes almost everything. Me and time will take my time. I look around. Singer-songwriter John Gorka has released 11 solo albums, a collector's edition box set, and a greatest hits collection called Pure John Gorka. With Lucy Kaplansky and Eliza Gilkison, he released an album and last toured Columbus under the name Red Horse. John Gorka will be in Columbus on January 22nd with six string concerts. Welcome to Craft, John Gorka. Hi, nice nice to be back. Thank you. Yes, well, the last time we talked was uh, about 2011 uh, when you were in town with Red Horse uh-huh. also. Red Horse, yeah. That's six mm-hmm. string. So since then, you've released a new solo album called Bright Side of Down. Tell me about this new album. The title came about in a, kind of an odd way. My friend Tom Pirazzoli, who's a, a singer-songwriter, puts on a concert series in New London, New Hampshire, and I played it at the, sh- at the show and then stayed at his house the next day that night in, in Goshen, New Hampshire, and I was getting ready to leave, and I, I live in Minnesota now, and uh, I was telling him how I like my, really like my down winter coat, because it's really warm and lightweight and packs well, uh, and he said, yeah, that's the bright side of down, and uh, so I realized I had a, uh, that, that was a gift, so um, I ended up with a song uh, called Bright Side of Down, which mm-hmm. is, I've got kids who are now 18 and 16, and thinking about what, you know, because we're kind of old, older parents, so uh, there's such a, such a different world between uh, when we were their age and, 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 and the world today. So I was just trying to figure out what, what can I possibly have of value to, you know, for advice in a world that's so different. On the bright side of down, this side of the ground, it's a long way around. A fair bit of winter on on bright side of down. I noticed that, but also there's a hints of spring there as well. One of the songs that I thought might be potentially really appropriate, depending on what happens to our weather, was "Hold Up Mason City," <laughs> that describes you really enjoying weather. So tell oh, me a little yeah. bit about that song. Sure. Yeah, I was I was trying to get. Uh, it was kind of a, a blizzard coming and going to the show from uh, from Minnesota to Des Moines and back. 
Des Moines, Iowa, and uh, uh, on the way back, it had turned into a ground blizzard, and I was I was heading heading trying to head home, and uh, uh, I was in a rented minivan that did not have snow tires. So, and I, uh, all of a sudden, I realized that the van is moving from side to side. <laughs> Eventually, I made up my way to a town, and it turned out to be Mason City, Iowa. And I found out later that Mason City was the airport that uh, the Big Bopper and Buddy Holly and Richie Valens flew out of after their last show. It was a kind of a, a terrifying road trip. Hold up in Mason City, waiting for the roads to clear. Second day of a blizzard, winter isn't even here. I'm heading back on I-35. At this point, I just wanna make it home alive. Hold up in Mason City, the weather isn't pretty tonight. You know, it sounds more like the, the terrifying part comes when you realize that it was when they were leaving that they had their accident. So, you right. you know, you're faced right. the next day with that decision, should I stay here forever or should right. I leave? At least I wasn't flying out. Right. So did is this something where you thought about it later and wrote the song? Or was that something that you hit that night and decided uh, while it's fresh in your mind that you're going to start writing a song while you're holed up in Mason City? I was pretty certain I, there was going to be a song as I was as, as I was getting home. So, but I had I didn't really work on it until I, I I was safely home. Tell me about another song that I wondered how long it took you to write. It's called Procrastination Blues. It took me a long time just to write the song, and uh, I'm hoping to, I haven't learned it yet. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping to learn it this year. Right. Uh, but it, it, it seems only right with a, with a title like that. Right, it, and you're staying true to your lyrics. It says, don't put off tomorrow what you can fail to do today. Is this <laughs> <laughs> this is also based on personal experience, bitter, That's difficult? Right. Yeah, I try, to, I try to be true to the lyrics uh, sometimes. How did that song actually get written, then, if it's about procrastination? Blue seems like you would you know, like put off the ending of it. Or well, yeah, like I think yeah. I, I, I started writing it as a boy. <laughs> is this uh, something you get to <laughs> no. tell your children to do? Uh, since you're a parent, setting an example uh, for them. So I had some of them those lines for a while, and then I, I finally found a I found a home for them in that song. Tell me about your songwriting process on, say, something like the Bright Side of Down. What uh, are these things arise over a, a long period of time? I think it was what four years uh, since the previous. Yeah, sometimes they they come fast, sometimes they come slow. I just try to be open to the possible sources of of, of, of a song. Uh, you know, it's, it comes from a spark. It can be a, a lyrical spark, or an image, or uh, something I play on the guitar. Sometimes it's a new sound. Other times it's may have been a chord that I played it a, a million times, but for whatever reason that morning it, there's an uh, emotional response that that is new. And I realize that that could be the beginning of a song. So I, I just try to keep that spark uh, going from the from one line to the next, so that it maintains the energy in it. Sometimes I will just leave the leave the songs for, um, you know, sit, sit and write where I feel like there's uh, uh, the better part of a lyric there, and then I'll set it aside, and then I'll, uh, I know a while later, I'll come back to it, and if, if the feeling comes back and the, and the music comes back, I realize this is something that may have a, a life of its own, and, uh, and might be a real song that will, will reach other people. Makes you recognize that it's going to have a life of its own. Do you have people you talk to? I don't always know. Uh, sometimes I'll, I'll play them out for an audience, and if it doesn't get the reaction that I, I think it should, 
then I realize it's it's not the audience's fault that it's it's my fault. So I have to go back and find out if it, if the problem is in my delivery of the song or if it's in the the somewhere in the structure of it. So I have to go back and and address that until I feel like it communicates the the feeling that I, I'm trying to get to. Mm-hmm. How often does it happen that you you play something out and you go back, you rework it, you play it out again, and it it doesn't get what you want, and you just say, you know what, that song is uh, out of rotation for an indefinite time. Sometimes if it, if it really, you know, if, if it really falls flat, if I play a song for something and it's like no reaction, then it's really like, uh-oh. <laughs> and I realize that I may be barking up the wrong tree there, so um, I'll, I'll move on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an ever-mysterious process, something that I most love to do. My life now with family and, and stuff, it's uh, mostly when I'm away from home because it's just uh, this, uh, at home there's too many things calling me that, mm-hmm. to be done. But it's my one of my most favorite places to be is in the in the middle of a song as I'm writing it. What kind of advice do you have for people that are uh, wanting to get into uh, singing, songwriting, uh, the kind of things that you've done? What do you tell them these days? How do you suggest, or do you tell them not to concentrate mainly on songs, you know, on the work itself, and to perform as much as possible? To just to because I'm not naturally an outgoing person. I was drawn to performing, but never all that comfortable doing it. So I just kind of forced myself to uh, play as often as I could in in various uh, settings, you know, listening settings and non-listening settings. Uh, so that's it. I mean, uh, the world. I don't know if, like you know, like I said that about my advice to the kids. I don't know if my advice uh, would will be of much value to uh, other people because the 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 world has changed so much in the in terms of the music business um i'd say one of the things is uh i i try to recommend is uh high standards low overhead and realistic expectations so i guess that's probably the uh, uh you know keep uh keep those monthly bills to a minimum and uh, and uh, and the, the time to work on find out what the best time of day is to work on a song uh and uh and try to try not to uh, try to keep uh that process in that time of day because i found that i, I could, if i work on a song at the wrong time of day it could it can uh it can uh, disable a song or kill it so um so there's uh, just uh, and, and and that takes some time i guess to find out you know people people's schedules are all different it's uh for, but for me, it's that morning brain uh, is the best time uh, for, for working on new songs. John Gorka, I thank you very much for talking to me today, and we're really looking forward to you coming to Columbus on January 22nd. Yeah, well, thanks a lot. I'm looking forward to coming back there. More information about John Gorka or Anna Nolik can be found at www.crafttheshow.com. Until next time, be creative. Be creative.